This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. It was transforming 2017. Kick that off. This is part seven, and this is the last one in Ephesians chapter one. I actually started in Romans when we talked about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about how when we start to think differently, then we'll start to act differently. You can't act differently until you think differently. So we invite God to transform the way we think. So our values come in line with his values, and then our actions come in line with God's values as well. Transforming our thinking becomes transforming our living. So we are seeking to do that, to think differently, to act differently, and then be the instruments that God uses to transform our communities. Transform your family, transform your where you work, transform where you live, and so on, transforming 2017. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in different sort of ways through the year. But I want us to think about that whole idea of being transformed, what God does for us. So today I'm going to talk about transforming grace. And this is such an incredibly huge subject. If I was known to be a preacher of anything, I hope that I'm known to be a preacher of grace. Because that's so important that we understand, appreciate God's grace in our lives. And then we become the people who share the grace of God amongst people that we meet. Because without that, without grace, none of us would be here this morning. Without grace, none of us have a hope for a future. But thank God for His grace, His undeserved favor in our lives. That means God loves us even though we've done nothing to deserve that. God loves us even though we can't earn that love. God loves us whatever. That's the grace of God in our lives. So that's kind of setting it up. And I think grace is what is unique about Christianity. A lot of years ago, there was a, the, um, a big sort of theological um, conference and a big debate. And uh, a guy called C.S. Lewis wandered into that. And he heard quite an argument going on about what is it unique about Christianity. And he got an opportunity to speak and said, it's simple, it's grace. And this, some religions would talk about earning God's favor. Some religions would talk about if we have more good deeds than bad deeds, then we're, we're fine. God will love us. No, God loves us unconditionally. That's what grace says. So I want to read you uh, back into Ephesians chapter 1, and then just a couple of verses in the second chapter as well. So first of all, it says in Ephesians 1 verse 2, this is Paul speaking, writing to the church in Ephesus, the people in that community, in that area, Maybe not to one specific local church. It was to a number of churches, perhaps, in that vast city. And it speaks to us again this morning. It says this, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Here he goes again about grace to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Chapter 2, verse 4. Because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. That's the wrong things that we've done. He goes on to say, it is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace is undeserved favor. Not something that we deserve, not by works so that we cannot boast, so that we cannot say, I've actually done this. I'm a much better person than I was because I've sorted my life out. Well, obviously we cooperate with God, but we have to say it's what God has done for us. And I think whether a young Christian, a a long-standing Christian, Christian for many, many years, we have to stay in that position of thinking, God, this is amazing. What you have done for me is phenomenal. And I'm never going to get to the point where I think, you know, I've I've done it. I'm a self-made man. I've, I've sorted myself out. No, by the grace of God, we are where we are. We are who we are. And so Paul was absolutely passionate about this whole idea of speaking grace. Why was this? It was because that was his own personal experience. Because Paul had been a persecutor. We've heard a couple of times over the last few weeks he'd been a persecutor. He was a murderer that had people put to death because they were following Jesus. He was a horrendous person, an enemy of the Christian church. But he knew that when he met with God, God forgave him of all of that That was God's grace, not what he earned or deserved. He probably deserved something horrible, but God gave him something fantastic. And I love that. When I think about that, for me personally, for all of us, irrespective of how we may have lived in the past, what we've got up to, what we've done, the bad things we've done, whatever, God says, grace says, you're forgiven. If we ask God for forgiveness, it's there. Grace says, there's a new start. Grace says that whatever that might be, I'm not only going to deal with it and forgive you from that, I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to wipe it out. The past is gone, you're forgiven. Grace says we are a new person in Christ. And I just love that. He says, not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. He says, salvation is not a reward uh, for the good things we've done so that no one can boast. We can't do it by ourselves. So when Paul starts the uh, chapter off, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, second, second verse, when he says, grace to you, he's, he's speaking a blessing over the people that he's writing to. Now, they had already received grace. They were, they were already 
Christians, followers of Jesus. They were already there, but Paul's saying again, grace to you. It's emphasizing the fact that we don't just need grace for our salvation. We need ongoing work of grace in our lives right through our Christian walk with God. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a continual where we need the grace of God because none of us live up to the standards that we set ourselves personally, never mind the standards God would set for us. But thank God we've got his grace in our lives, which means when we do mess up, we get another chance. When we do mess up, we can ask God for forgiveness. When we do mess up, it's not over, it's not finished. We can pick ourselves up by the grace of God in God's strength and go on and go on and go on in God's strength. That's what grace does for us. So he particularly, specifically says, number one, that it's, we are saved by grace. Grace is the key as to how we get, we, we get saved. Now, saved means that we are rescued from the consequences of what we've done. Grace means, saved means that we're rescued from ourselves to live for God. To stop living a selfish life and to start living a life that's God-centered, God-focused, and for Him and for other people. We are saved from that. We're saved from the consequences. We have the opportunity to have a blessing of God in our lives. That's what the word saved means. And I can't find a better one to describe what it actually means. It means that we are holy and blameless in God's sight. Now that's contrary, opposite to what a lot of religions say. A lot of religions would say, stack up the credits, stack up the good works, then you'll be okay. There'll be a place for you in heaven or paradise. The Bible says the the message of the Christian church is, no, it's by grace. We are forgiven. Not what we've done, not what we can earn. It is by grace. And I think it's just a wonderful thing. Another way to put it, grace is God's generosity to you. We talk a lot about generosity. We encourage generosity. We talk about this being a generous community. Very, very important that we are givers, not just takers. You know, there are times in our lives when we, when we have to receive a lot, and always God's got something for us to receive. But we then get up on our feet and get some strength, so we become givers. So we bless people, we help people, we're there for people, and so on. So that's what grace does for us. It, it rescues us, it puts us on a firm footing, so that we can be a blessing to others. But gener- grace is God's generosity in our lives. Generosity over and above. God's Grace is over-the-top generosity, if I can put it that way. That's what it actually means when God blesses us in such an incredible way. And what have we done to deserve that? Nothing. What have we done to earn that? Nothing. All we do is take God at his word. So I want to encourage you this morning to take God at his word. You might think, well, this is, uh, this is okay, but this, this is not me because I, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. No, forget about being good enough. You never will be good enough. But God says, grace says, as you are determined to let God help to change you, to transform you, then he can, be, he can help you in your life. You know, it's often easier to be generous than to receive generosity. You know, sometimes it it is, but when it comes to God's grace, we have to be receivers. We receive that generosity, then we pass it on to others. God has been generous. Paul emphasizes that over and again. He talks about saving grace. 
And I love how he just kind of keeps on revisiting the thought. He talks about glorious grace. He talks about the riches of God's grace. He talks about the incredible wealth of his grace. We get it, Paul. We get it. We know that you're absolutely on this subject of grace. That is what he's experienced. That is what he's received. And you know, when I stop and think about God's grace in my life, I'm overwhelmed. Absolutely overwhelmed because there's so many instances when God has been gracious to. You know, when I've tried to do something in, in kind of my own strength and, and, you know, you almost think God's, God's putting his hands over his eyes when he sees us trying something. I, I, I don't, I've got no scripture for that, right? I've got no scripture for that. But I know God, God must, I must, we must always also bring a smile to his face sometimes by our efforts. And God says, chill out, mate. Just relax in that. Relax in the grace of God. You've not got to impress me. You've got to, not got to earn my favor. You've not got to, I'm not going to love you anymore that if you just strive and work hard. No, it's not about that. I can rest in the grace of God. And I want to encourage you to receive that this morning, to rest in God's grace. But stop and think how wonderful God's grace has been in your life. So absolutely incredible. We are saved by grace. I also want to think about us living by grace. Grace is not just the means by which we are saved, that we become Christians, that we become forgiven, that God gives us a hope and a future. It's more than that. It's a continual. It's a continuous grace of God in our lives. You know, it's hard to live up to our own standards, let alone the standards God has for us. You know, and there might be things in our life that we, we, can, we need to put right. There might be relationships we, we need to put right. There might be all sorts of things that we just need to get right in our lives. And if we can do that, we ought to do that. I'm not speaking of grace means we can just live anywhere we want and live carelessly. Absolutely not. But we know our best efforts sometimes fail. But if we can do something about it, let's do something about it by the grace of God to be better. But we need God's grace in our lives. As he wrote this uh, letter to the church in Ephesus, he's saying grace and peace be to, be to you. Clearly he's saying this is a continual thing. It continues the grace of God in your life. We don't deserve it, but when we start our journey of faith, it's all about grace. And if you think back to your first encounter with the love of God, the first encounter with the grace of God, you might think, I don't know how it... Looking back, it's like God just invaded my life with his love. It's just like God kind of just kind of broke into a situation. I was, I, I, I was struggling or I, I, I was down, down and almost out, but God picked me up. Or, or maybe you're thinking, I was, I was doing okay actually, but God still broke into my life and he, he showed me his great love to me. Just think about how wonderful that is, but we need his enabling power and grace continually day by day to live a transformed life. We're not who we were. We're not who we're going to be. We're somewhere in between as a work in progress. But thank God for his grace in our lives, which makes all the difference. I'm sure that you've, many of you here this morning have got testimonies of the grace of God in your life where you've messed up, but God said, come on, let's go again. You're forgiven. Come on. Let's go again. So many stories, so many stories. We, we've just done daft, stupid things perhaps and selfish things maybe. But God says, the grace is, 
Well, let's have another start. Let's start again. Let's go again. And I just love that fact. And as, I'm sure if we reflect and maybe take a moment this week to just kind of reflect as, we, as, as we're coming up to Easter and just, just praying about the whole Easter story and, and about how that can impact many lives. You're saying, God, thank you for invading my life. Thank you for drawing me into relationship with you. And thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for all of that. But God, I'm just so grateful for your grace in my life. As a Christian and a continual, day by day, the grace of God. So I want you to be, be aware, be, be, be on guard, because there are people who would call themselves Christians who are, who are kind of grace killers. They'll tell you where you're going wrong. They'll tell you what you should be doing. Hey, don't, let's not have a bar of that. Let's not, let's not have that. I say, no, God, I'm forgiven. God says, God says I'm forgiven. Let's not mold people to be exactly like us. That's not what it's about because there are people like that. You know, uh, some people would say, well, why? why, If this is the story, if this is the the message of the church is is grace, then why are we not better known for it? We need to be known as graceful people, gracious people who accept people as they are, knowing that God accepted us as we were, and gave us the power to change, to be more like him. We need to be those kind of, of, of people. Grace means we love our enemies. Grace means we don't react. Grace doesn't mean that we, 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 we want to fight everybody who doesn't agree with us or doesn't think the same as us. No, it means that we want to reach out to them. That means that we want to bless them and bring them into community. Living by grace, not just saved by grace, but living by grace. I think there's a couple of things we need to live by grace. Number one, we need humility. Very simple point, but here it is. We need to stay in humility to accept the fact that this is all because of what God's done for me. I'm humble enough to realize this is not what I've done. It's what he's done, and it's by his strength. I'm not self-sufficient. You know, sometimes as Christians, we can go through situations, and, and God helps us and gives us the strength, and we come out victorious on the other side. And then when we face a similar or the same sort of situation, further down the track, we think, not a problem. I've been here before. I can sort this. I know exactly what to do. No, humility says, I'm going to rely on God. Humility says, I'm going to continue not to think it's about me and about my strength, but it's about God's strength. Humility says, I'm relying on God for this so important, you know, that James says, uh, the book of James verse four, uh, chapter 4 verse 6 said, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Just think about that. So God is for us, not against us. God always wants us to succeed, not to fail. God always wants us to live in freedom, not in captivity. God always wants us to live well, not in condemnation. God wants, always wants us to live, experience His grace in love in our lives. So God's completely for us, not against us. Don't get this picture of this great ogre God who's waiting for you to mess up so he can slap you. That's not what God is like at all. You may have heard, whatever you may have heard, that's not the angry God picture is not the God that I serve or the God I see 
in the, word, in the Bible. It's not, that's not the God. God is for you, absolutely. But here's the thing that James 4 says, verse 6 says, God resists the proud. So if I move from grace into pride, where I think I can do this, I'm strong, I'm a mature Christian, I can do this and do this, I get into pride, and then God's resisting me. Imagine that. If I'm trying to go somewhere, do something, achieve something, I think I'm doing it for God, but it's in my pride. God's actually resisting me. And who knows that when God resists you, you've no chance of getting through to where you want to be. Because God resists the proud. But here's the thing. If I stay in humility, God gives grace to the humble. I love that. So whatever God's put in my heart to do, whatever I'm seeking to achieve for God in his name, but if I stay in humility, I can do what God's called me to do. When I move into pride, look at how well we've done. You know, we're doing pretty good. We're, you know, things are good. Yeah, well, we can enjoy the goodness of God in our lives. But let's remember, he's the source. It's not what I've done. It's not what I've earned. It's not what I've worked for. It's only by grace. And, you know, if you might be doing really well in life, you, you know, God might be blessing you all sorts of ways in, in family life and financially in all sorts of ways, and that's wonderful. That's absolutely great. But, and you may have worked really hard for that. Wonderful, well done. I'm, I'm, I'm really, it's really great that you can be in that season of life. But let's not forget the grace of God. It's all about the grace of God. And so when we, when we give testimony, as we've been doing the last few weeks in giving his living, you know, it's about God. It's about his grace. It's about his blessing. And let, let's stay in humility and not move into assumption, presumption, or pride. It's the last place we want to be because God resists or opposes the pride, the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we need to stay in humility. We also need to stay in faith. Let's put it this way. Humility says, I need help. Okay. It's not about me. It's not about my strength. Humility says, I need help. Faith says, I'm going to trust God for that help. Humility and faith. I'm staying in humble. And the problem with being humble is you can't tell anybody that you're humble. It's rubbish, right? But you were staying in humility think about it. But we are trusting God to come through. And so humbly before God, thank you. It's all about you. It's not about me. But God, I'm staying in faith to believe that you will come through and give me everything I need. Through Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace. Romans 5, 2 puts it this way. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And I love that thought, that concept of standing, standing. I love that idea that we stand in grace. So that means to me, my interpretation of that is, no matter whatever happens in my life, and we heard testimony about that earlier, whatever things appear to be around me, whatever people are saying about me, doing to me, however things are going badly or well or whatever. I'm standing in grace. I'm firm. I'm fixed. It's not my striving that's going to get me out of this situation. It's the grace of God. So I'm standing in 
grace. I'm not going to move to pride. I'm not going to move to, to be uh, judgmental about other people. I'm not going to move into legalism to tell other people how they need to sort themselves out. I'm going to stay in grace and thank God. Thank you for your grace in my life. Humility and faith. By grace, we're brought close to him. In grace, we stand before him and we access that faith. Day, that, excuse me, we access that grace day by day by faith. So I know today, tomorrow, subsequent days and weeks, if I mess up in any way, the grace of God's still all over my life. Isn't that wonderful? I'm not, I'm not worried about God battering me or slapping me. It's not happening because the grace of God is there in my life. I love that. Faith is trust placed in Jesus, who he is and what he has done. And faith placed in him to know that he has everything we need. Jesus-centric, we heard last week. Putting our trust in God, as we were reminded earlier this morning. We're staying in faith. Because in faith, we're trusting for God's grace. The grace that saved us gives us the power to live for him. Humility says we need, God, what you've, what you've got. And faith says we know that what you've got, you're going to get to us. Whatever it is. So let's get rid of the idea that grace is just some sort of benevolence, some sort of kindness that God shows to us as a one-off gift when we become Christians Not true. He does that, but grace continues to come at us all the days of our lives. And I'm loving that. And and I just really believe that some people need to be helped with that this morning because you might be under condemnation for something you've done or a situation or circumstance you find yourself in. I I want in God's strength, with God's help, in God's power, I want that to be lifted off you this morning. Because what about grace? Grace is in your life, it's all over your life, and continues to do that. The grace of God is the active, powerful, moving, and working resources of God, working on us, in us, and through us. That's what God does. And we begin to then uh, produce fruit of the grace that's in our lives. Because of God's graciousness to us, because he's not condemning of us, he's not judgmental of us, when grace is really flowing in us and through us, we are the same with other people. We're not judgmental. We're not condemning. We don't condemn them. We, we, we're not against people. We're for people, just like God is for us and for other people. When the grace of God is really active in our lives, we are transformed to bear fruit. In, in uh, Ephesians 3, verse 2, Paul talks about the administration of grace. And I like that idea that he's been entrusted with a, a message of grace, but he's been entrusted to administer it, to deliver it. So I'm thinking about uh, us this week. Let's deliver some grace around the place. Let's be gracious in every circumstance that we meet people. Let's be taking some grace with us when we connect with people in any sort of situation that we, we have this week. Let's be incredibly grace, gracious. Let's go on a grace offensive this week. Let's say, this is going to be me. It's all, all going to be about grace. And when somebody, you know, cuts you up in your car and uh, there's words coming to your mind that you don't say because you're a Christian, you're going to be gracious. You're going to be gracious when somebody messes with you and jumps in front of you in a queue or whatever that might be. I'm going to, I'm going to respond to that with grace. Not aggression. Not in, I know my rights sort of situation. I'm going to be gracious in all these things. 
We have been saved by grace, not earned or deserved. We are sustained by grace. The grace of God in our lives continually keeps us in right relationship with him. And I believe we've also been specifically called by grace. He is Paul that was called by the grace of God to serve God. Now, I doubt that anyone has had quite a dramatic experience with God as Paul did on that road to uh, Damascus when, when he saw a bright shining light. And uh, that's probably because you, you weren't as bad as Paul. That's probably that. And God doesn't need to speak to us like that, all of us. If God's not spoken, you know, big shining lights and all sorts of stuff going on, then God's not spoken. No, no, no. That's not how God mostly speaks. God's speaking to us all right now through his word, through the word of God, through what we're hearing, what we're receiving. But we have been specifically called by grace to live for God, not to live for ourselves. To live for other people and not to be selfish. That's the calling of God on each and every one of our lives. We are being transformed by grace and we continue to live a transformed life by grace. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.